Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. It's time to talk some hoops. I think Illinois fans are ready uh, to move on to Illinois basketball season, which is completely understandable because despite what what some people seem to write, um, Illinois should be pretty dang good. And Derek Piper and I, along with Joey Wagner, were able to see an open basketball practice that that made me feel even stronger about that. It's one open practice, but I uh, feel pretty good about this Illinois basketball team of Kofi Coburn, Andre Curbelo, and a bunch of experience returning on the roster. And we got a lot of recruiting stuff to talk about, especially in the class of 2023. So, of course, got to bring in Derek Piper, Illini Inquirer. You feeling this hoop buzz, Derek? We're, we're, we're days away, weeks away from exhibition games. Yeah, it's really picking up here recently. Like you said, great to be back in State Farm Center, seeing some action this past weekend for the open practice, get some fans back in that building. Uh, just get that vibe building up and we'll talk about what we saw out there on the court but yeah less than 10 days until the first exhibition and really steaming steaming along here it's coming it's coming really quickly it's weird for me Derek that like these last couple of weeks were the first time I get to like stand within feet of Andre Curbelo or or Coleman Hawkins right like I've covered these guys uh in a season and we luckily were in State Farm Center in a lot of these places to watch them but it also struck me that this is the first time people have been able to see Andre Curbelo in a Illini basketball practice jersey or some kind of jersey in the State Farm Center. So that was really cool that Illinois was able to open that up and really to show this team, right? Like to show Illinois fans what they haven't been able to see in person for the last 16 months. So I, I just thought it was kind of a one small step back to what we're going to have in a month, which is a filled arena filled with masks as well, but I'm fine with that. Just get these people uh, sound travels through those masks. And I can't wait for that. Yeah. It would have been great to blow it out. Midnight madness style, get a chance to wrap it down here. Maybe one of these, these falls, they'll be able to pull that off, but uh, just something as far as, like you said, getting the fans back involved and there have been, it's crazy to think about. We, like you said, very privileged to be in a lot of those buildings last year, empty arenas, which is just eerie and usually pretty far removed from the court. But uh, to be back around those guys and, and for the fans to just see that team go up and down and all the talent that Brad Underwood and his staff have accumulated. And once again, they're able to reload and go back out there and be a top 10, top 15 team nationally. And uh, they're, they're looking the part so far. And, and I know you're going to have to prove that and do that all over again, but a lot to be excited about. Some newcomers that we're going to talk about that uh, introduce themselves to the fan base as well. Yeah, let me talk about this here in a second. Uh, Derek, it's it's been a, a week and a half of us mourning our baseball teams, but can, can I oh, break man. into this? Um, the Cardinals, according to Jeff Passan, just fired Mike Schilt, or he's out as manager, is his words. So I, I know this is an Illini podcast, but let me get your reaction before the, the radio show today. <laughs> Are we stealing the rooster from you guys? Are you guys going to go next? <laughs> Bring it all full circle? I, that's I surprising would... to me because I, I... – I don't understand how you can necessarily place the blame on him. Um, I was disappointed, like going into the year and where they were late July and into August and thought this was a team that was supposed to be the favorite in the Central. I still have some questions about Moselock and him being the guy with Gersh to pull the trigger on, here's $62 extra million in the offseason, go make the right decisions. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess we needed a fall guy for not going as far as we're – accustomed to but that's surprising that's really shocking to me uh, yeah i'm kind of shocked i didn't think he was a problem like i, I didn't <laughs> think he was one of the problems of your team uh meanwhile my team um you know worse is what he is i I, th I feel like he's just unnecessary i don't think uh game two he did not have a strong game otherwise 
you know, our starting pitching was the bigger problem. Our, our base running and defense were the bigger problem. But anyway, I just wanted to get you, your thoughts on that. Is that just broke as we're recording this on Wednesday, October, uh, for Thursday, October 14th, excuse me. All right, Derek, uh, let's start in like chronological order here. I want to get to recruiting. We'll get to that in the back half of the podcast, but Media days. We've had two media days, one which I think was really substantive here in uh, Champaign, getting able to talk with all the Illini players. Then we go over to Indy, and Hunter Dickinson gives us this gift of kind of an early, boring kind of day. We're getting some good content, some good stuff, whether it was Brad Underwood, Andre Cabell, Kofi Coburn, or or some of the national media I talked to, uh, Josh Whitman. But Hunter Dickinson livens things up a little bit, and I love it. I, I love that Hunter Dickinson is... Willing to play heel to to Illinois fans, willing to like stoke this rivalry a bit, a little bit, and it's a growing rivalry. And then for Illinois fans to, to play heel, that seemingly everybody else in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. For it wasn't all that long ago, Illinois. It wasn't worthy of talking about any kind of rivalry or hatred or one scuffle with Penn State <laughs> with Kendrick Nunn and DJ Newbill. How you? You come up in the world and now you're battling all American versus all American and, and that kind of deal. Um, yeah. You upgraded a little bit from DJ Newbill to Luca Garza and Hunter Dickinson yeah. a little bit, right? No, no offense to the DJ Newbill is a tough player. Yeah. Quite a progression there for sure. Hunter has leaned into this thing pretty hard. I know that he backed off a little bit on Illinois and tried to clarify, well, I, I dislike the fans. It's the fans that are annoying the team. I'm cool with Kofi. I, I don't know Corbello that much, but he seems cool type of deal. And, um, but those fans will be waiting for him when he gets to Champagne in January, the orange crush being so close to the court. And we saw the, all the funny like exchanges with Fran, I think back to that regular season finale in 2020 and the, the Fran con meter. And I think Brad even signed like the, the Fran fathead <laughs> yeah. with the flaming eyes after that win. Like you can only imagine what this fan base is going to have in store for Hunter. So it's a cool thing. And I, I do think that, Maybe I understand maybe some people around the league would be like, Illinois is a really fun team. I don't really understand why they they think everybody hates them, but uh, they're a team that plays with the chip on their shoulder for sure. They have had to play that come up role and haven't been afraid to, whether they're initiator or responder, uh, getting in some skirmishes within the league for sure. Yeah, I mean, it started in two years ago in Iowa, right? Which was just, I, I still one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to. And then to follow that up with the Illinois Iowa game ended up being the last game of that season, sadly. But um, those those were two fantastic. And and Iowa just coming out and saying, yeah, we don't like them. Like we respect them, but we don't like them. And I, I'm sure Hunter Dickinson feels the same way especially after getting crushed last year without Io Desumu. Uh, but I think it's great. And I think Brad, uh, you know, signing that Fran thing last year, kind of having some veiled words for Michigan last season as we're going through that year and, and having this whole Big Ten championship thing. And let me say this, Hunter Dickinson is right. I'm sure if I were Hunter Dickinson, I would be annoyed by Illini fans because my mentions, I get annoyed by Illini fans sometimes, <laughs> but I'd rather have that than apathy, right? Like they love their team. They're excited about their team for the first time for real reasons other than hope in a long time because you're one of the best teams in the Big Ten. No matter what anybody says nationally, like Illinois is going to be one of the best teams uh, in the Big Ten and, and likely one of the best teams uh, in the country. And you get under people's skin when you win. Right. And, and you and you have a little brashness, you have a little toughness. And I think that's a great thing that Michigan now has to recognize you like that or Iowa, which has been pretty solid in the Big Ten. But now you're ahead of Iowa. Right. Like the fact that you're at that level, I think, is a really good thing. The fact that Ohio State can be bothered by you, even though Ohio State has been you know, a thorn in Brad Underwood's side the last couple of years. Uh, I think it's all great for the sport. I think it's great for the Big Ten. I think Brad, who's talked about rivalries and loving rivalries, I think he embraces that too. So, uh, yes, Illini fans, you can be annoying. <laughs> like <laughs> You're annoyed by other Illini fans, I'm sure, but that's that just shows you the passion and shows that people have to pay attention to you now. They just can't be like, you know, Hunter saying they think they're some great program. Well, right now, they're pretty dang good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think back to that pregame exchange between Brad and Juwan Howard in Ann Arbor. And Juwan was not really having it. And look, they were annoyed by Brad continuously coming out and and saying, we need to really think about how we're going to analyze this Big Ten title chase. And Michigan had to feel like that they were trying to take something away from them 
or, you know, based on the calculation that was in their favor, just uh, currently in place uh, was going their way. And Illinois was trying to, to steal that. And of course they went and dominated them like that. But I think for Illinois fans, there was such that long period where you have early to mid 2000s, post 2005, and then Illinois fans are so disappointed and expecting to be at the top. And they just got told, like, told you so that's not where you belong. And all the like anonymous, like talking to coaches, I remember the polls of best job in the Big Ten. It's like, well, Illinois, good resources, passionate fan base, but the expectations there are so overblown. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And now fans are like, look, we're being shown again that we can be a contender. And if Brad, as we're going to talk about some recruits, can continue to recruit at a high level, this team should be sticking around for a while. And they're puffing their chest out, and they – yeah. They want to feel like they belong because that's what they're being shown right now. And they want to be recognized like that. And even like Eamon Bremen's piece in The Athletic, I think that I was talking with you before this, like there was a tone of like, they think they're going to be good again, like great again. Like, I don't know if they're going to be better, right? Like you hear Brad Underwood say that and you can argue about that, but like, they're going to be good. Like think of Kofi Coburn and Andre Corbello back and Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams. I would assume it was huge shoes to fill. But Brad Underwood and his new staff have done a heck of a job uh, of putting it all together. So, um, yeah, like I, I, I get it um, from from a national perspective. You're still like, can Illinois be good? But like what what they've done the last two years, I still feel like might be under the radar a little bit because they didn't make that long NCAA tournament run, right? Because Brad Underwood isn't the I mean, he doesn't have the name of, of Juwan Howard, right? Like, Juwan Howard's one of the all-time greats uh, in, in college basketball and then a, a long-time good pro all-star, uh, and then he comes back to his alma mater. And Michigan's just kind of that brand, but uh, I think Illinois is like, yeah, we are in that tier. Like, we are in with Ohio State, Purdue, uh, and Michigan. Like, that that's where we're Michigan State like might, might be in a better place uh, than them right now. So, I, I think it's probably going to take another year for people, you know, outside to kind of realize that, but they should do that this year, Derek, based on the roster they have. Right. And I'm with you too, as far as the better than last year, it's that's the, a line that's being thrown around so casually around whenever you're talking to anybody, Illini basketball related. And look, can they be better than last year? Yeah. And you can make the argument in terms of depth, in terms of like just, how do we define Having, that? That that's the hard. Like I don't see this team winning fifteen of sixteen games in the Big Ten, right? Like I, I don't yeah. know if that's repeatable. I can see them better being better in a non-conference. I can see them being better, and it doesn't take that much better to be better in the NCAA tournament, which is probably yeah. what most people think. That's not a very high bar because you lost second round as a one seed, right? So uh, you could be a three seed and end up getting to the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, and people think that will be better, even if your record isn't as good. Right. Absolutely. This team, regardless of trying to play the, well, last year's team took the court and this year's team, somehow those could go at it. Uh, whatever that answer ultimately is, this team should go farther than last year's team did. And I, I agree, like not having that sustained run, not having the tournament the year before that when Illinois was a trendy name and was going in the right direction late in that season, that maybe has sacrificed some of what the national opinion is on where the program has solidified itself. So they'll have to do it again to, to earn that respect. And then, of course, answering some of the reload questions if Corbello were to leave or Kofi and, and on down the line. All right, Derek, let's talk about the open practice we got to see. We don't get to see it very often. We can't just roll into town like John Rothstein and, and see practice whenever we want. But we got to see it. Um, so what what stood out? Like, What was your number one takeaway from that? It wasn't super surprising. Curbelo was by far and away the best player. Um, and it was it was great to see the – you wondered if he'd take a leap. And I'm not saying he went out there and, and nailed five three-pointers or anything. It was just the way he took over on the floor against guys that got really good other pieces on this team. And uh, just being able to get anywhere on the floor. And again, this is not a new narrative, but when you got – a bull scout sitting behind us and here the day before the T the wolves were in there. And it's just like, you heard all summer, this guy, if he plays like we think he's going to play, probably isn't going to be around. And I was like, okay, I, I can see that based on what he went out there and did uh, in terms of like main takeaway, like plumber impressed me like the, the quick trigger. And uh, I like to see the way that they ran some sets for him in the half court. Cause some of that was, if you look back on Illinois offense last year, it was very uh, ball screen and just kind of, react off of that and maybe not a lot of set plays uh, but I like that they were running plumber off and, and he can get it up in a hurry 
Uh, and Luke Goody was one of the, the big takeaways, big stand. That's something I'm taking one really good performance in a practice and saying he's solidified into the rotation, you know, going to get off the bench in that first, you know, that first rotation, but uh, he's got a chance to compete for some minutes. So uh, it was just good to see those guys go up and down. You got a lot of pieces, a lot of competitiveness in practice, which is obviously um, they talked a lot about and it was obvious to see. So it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. My number one takeaway is enjoy enjoy Andre Corbello because uh, you can see ESPN has him number 34 in their top 100 for the draft. So obviously is well thought of already, and that's before he shows if his offensive game expands, right? And he looked confident in his shot. That's, that's for sure. I don't think he went out and crushed it uh, from a shooting perspective, but we have heard some practice things, Derek, that he has had days where he looks great from beyond the arc. I, my expectation is be Tracy Abrams from three, not Jalen Tate. Like if you're that from three, uh, I think you're going to be a uh, early second or you know late first round pick. He just there is a special rarity to his ability to handle, to distribute, uh, and his vision, Derek. Like it's just it's elite. I know Brandon would uses that word a lot, but with Andre Corbello, it's certainly sh- it's true. He's not as big as this guy, but he's got some shades of Ricky Rubio, right? Like where he's just there's a special quality that. You can find a role in the NBA even if you're a little undersized, even if defensively you can be taken advantage of. Um, when you can distribute like that and, and just be a threat from beyond the arc, um, I think he's in for a special year. Like, I think he can be a guy that averages 13 to 14 points a game because uh, he can get to he can get to the lane, man, and, and finish. He had one over Kofi that was really impressive. Uh, get to the free throw line a little bit more this year I think would be good, but – I'd be shocked if he doesn't lead the Big Ten in assists and potentially the country uh, with the people around him. Yeah, absolutely. And to the point about confidence in the jumper, he had some mid-range pull-ups that were nice to see. He did take a couple of threes, one like from way deep that rimmed out. And uh, like you said, he was confident enough to take that shot. But him getting into the lane and just the uh, amount of moves and ways he can beat you, and uh, there's there's no – stopping the momentum when he wants to change directions or change his hands or, or trying to look off a certain, I mean, the way he just manipulates the game is just pretty crazy. And uh, you see him get to the rim and finish, and then you see him and you try to overcommit and he's going to whip one behind his back to the, the big man that you have no idea how he absolutely saw uh, for a dump off for a, for a score. So uh, just the, just the ways he can beat you and plumbers as quick as any guard, you're going to see that like plumbers as quick as any guard on that team, probably in the big 10. And uh, even seeing him like really hound Curbelo away from the, away from the perimeter. And he still finds a way to get by. That's just how quick and dynamic he is off the bounce. And you mentioned Plumber. I just want to quickly add, like he had this one play where he caught the ball, turned, popped up for a shot, quick release. And it's just, there's not a lot of guys that can do that. And he, and he swished it, right? Like, and, and Brad Underwood looked at the crowd and said, uh, he's a problem. <laughs> like, uh, offensively, I think he's, I actually think he's going to be, like, I think Illinois has three undersized guys defensively that can be hounds defensively on the ball. Now, you get a team against, like, Ohio State, and this is one of my concerns with this team. Uh, you get a team like Ohio State or Michigan or um, Maryland that's got these big guards or big wings. I think those can be matchup issues uh, that that maybe teams can exploit. Uh, if you get a good four, stretch four, obviously that those are some defensive concerns. Uh, so those are those are things that could hold back this team. But Plummer was really impressive. And you mentioned Goody; um, he looks ready, right? Like he looks like he could play a, a limited rotation role and be a guy in the corner who sinks open threes. Right and and can at least physically be ready to play in the Big Ten. I don't know if I'm putting in my rotation yet, Derek, but like eighth, ninth, like ninth, tenth, eleventh guy on the team. Yeah, I would slot him in there for sure. Yeah, offensively, he's gonna really fit in nicely because he's he's played that catch and shoot type of guy, and I, I love that he didn't go into that practice and look like he was behind or or maybe nervous when you're facing. You know, it's kind of live bullets up and down and, and have fans watching you. And he looks super comfortable. And a lot of his shots barely even didn't even touch the rim. Like uh, that's how pure of his stroke looks. And I know that there was some talking and rightfully so when he struggled from three, at least in terms of a guy who's a sharpshooter only shot like 30% as a junior in high school, but uh, he then bounced back, shot 40, 40 plus percent from three as a senior. And 
he looks like a, a big time, big time shooter, which was somewhat of a question at one point as a prospect. And he's just very solid. Everything you, you hear as far as people that see him every day is doesn't make mistakes, high IQ player, uh, willing to do anything. And I just think defensively is the biggest uh, thing that is yet to be seen. And that's going to ultimately determine how much minutes he can earn. And of course, he's got guys in front of him. But if he can be solid at that end and someone that's not just getting burned, uh, I think you're going to see him out on the court even for some early minutes as a freshman. I think you and I gave a hot take, which is that we think the three seniors who are just solid are going to be starters. Trent Frazier, DeMonte Williams, Jacob Grandison. We probably don't talk enough about them. Fans probably take them for granted a little bit because they want Coleman Hawkins to hit that high ceiling we think he has or Austin Hutcherson to be as good as some of these you know, offseason reports are. I can tell you right now, like I know what I'm getting out of Jacob Grandison, DeMonte Williams, and Trent Frazier, and it was pretty good last year. And, and everything I saw in practice, like there weren't a lot of flashes, Derek, but it was good. It, it was good alongside Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo. So I, I think though, that's your starting lineup is, is Curbelo, Coburn, Frazier, DeMonte Williams, and Jacob Grandison. And I would feel pretty good about that. Maybe eventually you bring DeMonte off the bench. Um, if Hutcherson gives you more length and you just want a solid veteran coming off the bench. But I, I think those three guys are really, really solid and just completely lift the floor of this team. There's no question about that. When you look at DeMonte and Grandison as guys that contribute a lot to the rebounding effort uh, and their ability just to play with such a high motor at both ends. Uh, I did like to see DeMonte get to the rim a couple of times. If that's something he can add to being a big time catch and shoot. And you would think that they've told him throughout the offseason, like you're going to be someone that they're going to try to run off the line now, which is kind of crazy dynamic of where you were earlier in your career. Just leave, leave this guy wide open no matter what. Uh, to now running him off the line. And if he can go to the rim a little bit to add to his game, that'd be nice. But overall, you're not expecting him to be a focal point offensively, just a, a catch and shoot, uh, a guy that's going go to the, go to the glass and, of course, defend his, his butt off. Same with Trent uh, in terms of that defensive uh, nature. And I haven't seen Trent yet in terms of we've all wondered, is it going to be Buck getting Trent again? Is it going to be Trent going out and, and getting his own and, and needing to fill it up? Well, uh, maybe doesn't need it as much. I think when we had that conversation, it's like, well, Kofi might not be back yeah. and you're going to need to replace a lot of those points. But there are going to be times, and we'll talk some about Hutch as well, like in terms of backup point guard, when Andre, who's going to be on the floor for 30 minutes a game, that looks clearly right now like Trent is the best option because Hutch struggled with that in that practice in terms of his ball handling, getting his pocket picked a little bit. So maybe that's when Trent comes off those screens, when he's the – the guy initiating offense to to be the aggressor and, and maybe look for a shot a little bit more. Yeah, it did perk my ears up at Illinois Media Day when uh, you know Brad Underwood said, "Yeah, we've tried Hutch at the point guard." I'm like, "Oh, okay, I can understand why you try that." Saw it in action, Derek. I think Trent Frazier is going to be your backup point guard, or he's going to be yeah. the guy who slides over when Corbell is on the bench. It's Trent Frazier running the show. And the one thing I, I want to add is like. I don't know how much you can play Frazier, Curbelo, and um, you know Plummer all together against Big Ten teams, right? So Plummer's minutes during Big Ten play might be limited to like 18 to 22 because you know Frazier and Curbelo are going to play 30 minutes a game, but he, he could get 8 to 10 points there. Um, I, I just – I got to see it from Hutch. I, I'm still like – I think he can be good for them. My expectation is, hey, hit some open shots – give them some athleticism. We saw a drive to the hoop that certainly was exciting. Uh, almost put, was it Payne on a poster? I can't I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was somebody big on a poster. And you're thinking, oh, there's that athleticism. You can see he made one three-pointer that I saw that was like, okay, he's got the stroke. But to put it all together, I just think the physicality part he can struggle with at this level. Uh, will he be able to defend? He certainly has length. Uh, but I'm the same way with Coleman Hawkins. Like Coleman had some things where he was able to handle, get to the lane, but finishing can be difficult for him. I mean, around Omar Payne and Kofi Coburn, that's a different kind of physicality. So I like the skill sets there. I just don't know if we've seen it all come together, and I think that might take some time. So I might be one like pumping the brakes a little bit on, I don't know if Hutcherson's coming in and averaging 10 points per game. I don't know if Coleman Hawkins is starting at the four and being everything you need and want at the four quite yet, even though I do like their skill sets. Right. It's a great luxury to have where you can run it back with DeMonte and Grandison versus being in a situation where Hutch and Hawkins 
for as high as their ceilings are, I think both as, as players uh, still have a lot to prove and, and need to settle in and uh, for them to come off the bench and, and really find their way throughout the season. If they're inconsistent, you can lean on those veterans, on those guys that you already know what they're going to be. Uh, it was encouraging to see Hawkins be so fluid and confident off the dribble and, and yeah. what he was doing. I think that it creates some matchup problems potentially like putting the ball in his hands and allow him to facilitate. There were a time, there was a time or two where he got a kick out and maybe I would like to just see him shoot the three versus try to go do something off the dribble. Like you said, he did uh, get to the rim and make some nice moves. Didn't finish uh, a couple of those that would have been uh, spectacular plays. And not that he was not going to be able to get better at that as the, as the year goes on or as his time goes on at Illinois. Uh, but that's something that he does. And I, I did like how active he was because he was, really active at both ends. He blocked a couple of shots. And I know that we didn't think of him as a shot blocker because he was so thin and, and wondered how he would defend. But his mobility coupled with his length allows him to challenge shots. I, Hush, I love his defensive versatility, Derek. Like yeah. I, I think that is probably what I'm most excited about this season. Like, like I don't know how many threes he's going to hit this year. It'd be great if he could. But like if you can put him out there w- with Kofi – um, man, you're just so much more versatile defensively, especially, you know, EJ Liddell can, can eat him up strength wise, but like he can guard EJ, he can guard some of those guys that have given Illinois so much trouble. For sure. Yeah. He's got the length, uh, and, and ability to guard on the perimeter versus some, some fours are going to be out there a little bit more. And then do, is it ideal if they do go, like say Purdue goes Travion and Zach Eady, do you want Hawkins guarding Travion? Probably not in terms of just the bully ball. Uh, but in terms of like, they got a guy for up, that though, Derek. Now Omar Payne, you bring him I in do. against Purdue. So having answers there, yeah, <laughs> that, that is certainly something. And it's going to take Hutch some time. Like, yeah. are there days where it's you hear buzz like this guy's going to be by the end of the year he's surefire starter, like one of the best players on the team? Yeah, you've heard all that, but he's going to have to earn it. And look, it's a guy that hasn't played in a game in two two and a half years, whatever it may be. So uh, I'm sure that him getting on the state farm center court and seeing the fans maybe had to ignite some nerves in him, but uh, there's some things to like, obviously with his, his natural skill set. it's just kind of acclimating and, and doing it in kind of like game mode and, and finding his niche on this team, which will take some time. I think it will early on take some time and expectations should be lower and maybe elevate as the year goes on. I think it'd be great if one of those guys, we call them the X factors, those two, if one of those guys lives up to like the optimistic take, man, this team could be really, really dangerous. But the, I think the most fascinating part of this entire season, Derek, is how Brad Underwood fi- you know, finds these pieces and mixes and matches. Like, What is the right roles and role identification? I think we know that for the most part with Kofi and Curbelo back, but um, just finding like what is the right mix of starting lineup and, and backups. Like, is Demonte better coming off the bench with a bunch of younger guys, right? Um, Alfonso Plummer, I, I would imagine, comes off the bench. Omar Payne, the same thing. But I, I think that's going to be very interesting. And I think there could be some growing pains early on, and there could be a loss or two because, like two years ago, figuring out should I start Andres Feliz or bring him off the bench? It took him a while to get there, right? Like to figure out that's my best group. I think we could see similar things this year. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. And, and even like trying to figure out what's your closing lineup. Yeah. I, I've, I've looked at Chester Frazier's Instagram and he's having different guys draw up the final play. We got the ball and a lot of people are putting plumber in, in one of those corners, which I can't, can't knock that. So is he's who do you take out? You take out DeMonte who's one of the best catch and shoot guys in the country last year, uh, Grandison, that type of deal. I don't know. Depends on if you need points, you're probably sitting Grandison, putting Plummer in and going small ball with Kofi. Right. Um, if you need defense, I don't think Plummer and Grandison are in there either. So probably, uh, some form of, I don't know, pain Hawkins. Like, I just think Hawkins is an interesting defensive weapon with, with how he can switch. He's just, he can be overpowered. That's the one concern. Yeah. I mean, think about Hawkins and pain both out there in terms of just the ranginess. I mean, we'll see if Payne, you know, Garden and Hunter Dickinson, I think he'll do obviously a lot better than a Georgie would have last year. But those two guys are, are super rangy and, and very long. And uh, Payne's wingspan, when I saw that in person at, at open practice, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, he was what I thought he was, Derek, which is this great long athlete, ridiculous hops for his size. And 
the quickness of him being able to get off the court. I've mentioned this name before, but like Marcus Bingham, what always surprised me about him was just how quick he got off the court and just how long he is. Uh, he's going to block a ton of shots. Like he's going to be uh, top notch as a shot blocker, but didn't see any 15 footers. So I, I don't know. <laughs> they were telling me, Jeff and Brad were, were telling me, yeah, like he surprised us. Well, I still got to see it. And that's my expectation is for Omar Payne to be a rim runner, right? Shot blocker. And if he can add a 15-footer every couple games, I'd be pretty happy with that. I don't know if I'm going in expecting Omar Payne to hit a bunch of 15-footers. I am not. <laughs> I, I got to see it as well. And not that he's not capable. Um, we'll see. For guys taking three jump shots in his two previous years, I maybe didn't get a lot of opportunities to do that. But that's not really something that I think Illinois needs him to do either. Like yeah. That's not something that's like, okay, if he does this in Illinois, like, progresses up this much more uh, I think v- versatility defensively like are they willing to guard some things differently when he's in the game say in terms of Kofi being out and Payne being in do they want to switch on the perimeter do they want to blitz ball screens do they want to do some different things with him that's what that's more so what I'm looking at instead of like oh do they want to run a pick and pop with Payne and see if he'll knock down a jumper yeah I think this team's gonna be great offensively Derek and, and by the way I think Omar Payne that that's that's a, probably a bigger storyline next season when, when if Kofi's not here, right? It's like Omar Payne's got to give you some offense. Um, yeah, like wh- what would be your biggest concerns though? Like is it – I mean Brad Underwood said at some point we're going to play defense. <laughs> like um, I, th- I think defense is, is the concern, especially if you're going small ball. And I still think Kofi can be taken advantage of with, with stretch bigs. Um, and, and you can be undersized there if you're playing Grandison and, and DeMonte there. I know Brad wants to convince his team that they're not very good at defense right now, and that's kind of the the coach role this at this point in the season and demanding more. And uh, let's be honest, like they they ran up and down, and it maybe was more offensive oriented uh, in terms of that open practice. And you do got to get that grit uh, back and, and ability to get stops. We got a lot of guys back from last year that last year was a pretty darn good defensive team, and I know that uh, you mentioned it there with when you're playing a smaller lineup on the perimeter, like not having I or not having Adam, whatever you want to say about Adam, good length and defended his butt off. Yep. IO length, obviously when he was dialed in defensively, he was really good. So uh, those are some things in terms of on the perimeter, but I, I think that in t- on the interior where you've been very, very good, you should be even better with Payne yeah. because when Kofi's not out there, when Payne's out there, I think when Hawkins is going to play more at the four, that's even more length to challenge around the rim. Uh, but yeah, there are some guys that, whether it be Hutch going out there and having to prove himself defensively, uh, Hawkins against some more physical fours, uh, and then Plummer. Like Plummer is stocky. Like he mm-hmm. he's got some strength to him, but there are guys that are going to be able to shoot over him or finish over him, and that's something that you got to uh, see how that plays out. Yeah, and I think Herbello by the end of the season was a pretty good on ball defender. At least he, way better than he was to start the season. He's got great hands. He's going to get a lot of steel. So got after uh, Bohannon in that uh, Big Ten tournament, right? The the issue is once you get past the three point line, those guys might struggle, right? Because you can just shoot over them. So uh, at least most Big Ten guys can. All right, Derek. Uh, Illinois should be good this season because they got a lot of talent, a lot of depth. Probably more depth they've had in a really really long time. Uh, so let's talk about their efforts to continue to try to add depth. Let's talk about. A couple big Illini recruiting weekends and a big month ahead before the early signing day. That's next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. 
All right, Derek, not a lot going on in 2022, so we'll get to a lot of happenings here in 2023 and beyond. But I do want to mention the one guy, Ty Rogers, uh, who who visited Illinois uh, recently, is going to take a trip to Memphis, which is always a concern with with Penny Hardaway there. Just what's your read on on Ty Rogers and the Illini? Because it feels like they've become a major player, if not one of the major players. Yeah, they are certainly in that position to – feel pretty good. I, I think that they have reason to feel like that they're one of the top two contenders. It might be an Illinois-Memphis race at the very, very end. I know he's still got a official schedule to Alabama, uh, but they might, they're in a position to take Brandon Miller, who's a five-star, small forward, kind of similar uh, body type. Uh, so that might put them in a situation where they satisfy that role and, and Ty sees more of an opportunity somewhere else. So uh, Memphis is always tough. Like the way that they're recruiting and had a little back and forth on the message board. I think it was last week about kind of the hierarchy of like Memphis is in a blue blood. They recruit like if you pulled coaches throughout, like if you're at AAU and you had all those coaches in the in the gym and sent out, pass out a little paper, who do you not want to see? Pick your top target. Say it's down to you and this other school. Who do you not want to see? Memphis would be the answer for a lot of people. They might get the most votes of anybody. I know Kentucky would be up there. Uh, still Duke because it's because it's Duke, but uh, Memphis is scary with what they're pulling in. They just got Amani Bates and Jalen Duran, uh, who are two five stars. So uh, I think Illinois, with Ty making the move to the state, now being in Chicago, being around Ty Streets, who is very very close with Tim Anderson. I know that Illinois did very well on their visit. There was just the question of could you beat Michigan State? Could you beat Memphis? Uh, recent talk is pretty positive on Illinois side. It's just sustaining the the Memphis visit and trying to hold momentum. And uh, you do get a feeling that Ty, who's I imagine going to have some influence in the recruitment is going to, is going to be positive on Illinois. I'm not saying he's going to push Ty to Illinois, but obviously just the relationship with Tim Anderson is something that's going to benefit the Illini for sure. Yeah. uh, I should have mentioned this four star uh, kind of combo forward could play the three slash four uh, tough kid and, and you can see why Brad Underwood really really like him and of course Derek this is a position they have really str- struggled to land and you can imagine how Ty Rogers could really complement what they have in the future right with Jaden Epps uh, Luke Goody, R.J. Melendez, Brandon Podjemski, uh, Sincere Harris. Obviously, you got to get a big for the long term after Omar Payne, but uh, that that is the type of wing, tough, big, physical, um, not the greatest jump shot, right? But like that can really play in college basketball that Michigan State always seems to have. Um, Shawnee Brown wasn't tall, but that kind of guy, right? Like that Illinois just lacked. So that'd be a big get for them, a nice piece for them. It certainly would be. And uh, again, like they see him as maybe the best two-way player in the class. One of the, one of the premier two-way wings uh, because of his effort level, because of his athleticism and his length uh, defensively. And he's a physical player, very, very tough, buys into type of things that Brad wants uh, out of his program. So, uh, and I think offensively, I mean, he played on a really talented mean streets team when you think about cam craft and, and how he blew up as a guard going to xavier and then obviously aj casey and jalen washington uh, so maybe he didn't he wasn't the guy offensively i think that he probably won't be in college either but i think there is more that he can show offensively he's he's skilled like he can make plays off the dribble he can finish and drive to the rim and his three-point jumper is probably the biggest thing he needs to work on but it's not a complete negative like it's something that he can he can show more out of and it's something to work with yeah, now after all, seeing all these kids leave the state for talent, um, it's nice to see uh, a nice talent come into the state and instantly be one of the top three prospects in the state. All right, Derek, uh, speaking of in-state, they have been working that hard in 2023. It's a very good class. Feels like one of the best classes uh, in a long time for the state of Illinois, and most of them seem to be staying here. Uh, Jeremy Fears left, and Hatat Spicellis left, and that's what's amazing is those guys are are, are still gone, but, uh, um, but the Illinois still has talent so the last couple weeks had a bunch of mean streets kids uh, a couple weeks ago and then last week you get jj taylor the five star on campus day day ames davis uh, lowry um that's that's those are two big weekends Derek. like what was the thought process here for illinois and and what do you think this meant really trying to capitalize on the opportunity of having the talent that's in the state and then of course having the team 
for them to see up close and, and the players like to to bring in high-level talent, to talk about Io, talk about uh, what he was able to do at Illinois, how his jersey's going to hang in the rafters, and now that he's uh, on the Bulls roster is a big deal, it's particularly for those guys in Chicago, like you said, with the Mean Streets and, and uh, Mac Irvin guys, uh, those from Kenwood that just came this past weekend, but also to see Andre Curbelo up close, a guy that can be an All-American and someone in Kofi that's already been one. And then, oh, by the way, JJ, you want to go to the NBA? There's an NBA scout sitting directly across from you over there. Uh, he's been those type of guys have been in our practices a lot here recently. That's a that's a big deal, and that's shows that's a big difference from where Illinois was three, four, five years ago, trying to convince top levels from the top level players from the state to try to come to Illinois. So, and what JJ uh, told you is like he can go there and be developed, like, and I think right. you know you're talking to some of the national guys like. Curbelo is better than they thought. Coburn and, and DeSumo were better than they thought they'd be going into college. That's a great thing for your program. Listen, they can go to Kentucky and, and, and be lottery picks, right? Like your first round picks, that happens all the time. But they've at least shown with Io and now Curbelo especially that you can be an NBA prospect here. Like they, they can they can get the most out of you here too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that is a big selling point right now. They're hammering home the player development angle. And I mean, just ask Omar Payne what he thinks as far as like him and Kofi being similarly ranked in that same class. And he was, as he told you, when he committed to Illinois, blown, blown away by the player that Illinois helped make Kofi in his time at Illinois. And then obviously Omar's trying to come here and get uh, some of that same kind of elevation out of his game. So uh, that's certainly important and something that the players uh, out there, as far as prospects, are noticing about Illinois, uh, being able to develop you. And, I mean, Tim Anderson has that background. Uh, he can go to a J.J. Taylor and say, hey, I've worked with Derrick Rose. I've worked with Anthony Davis. That's, that's kind of a big deal for sure. And uh, even Brad Underwood having time at Kansas State with Michael Beasley. So uh, that is something, whether it be at Illinois with the guys we've just mentioned or, or some of these other – some of these coaches who have done it at other places too, that's something that they want to – Make sure they hammer home. And, and can we talk about how much the Illini should thank the Bulls for drafting Io DeSumo? Like having him just visible, right? Continually visible on the Bulls because these guys are going to watch Bulls games. It's on regional television, right? And and they do think of Io, but to have him on the Bulls, they're going to think about him a little bit more. That's a good thing when you only have, I guess, one guy that – well, I guess they claim Kendrick Nunn again, but like one guy really – that you have in the NBA is immediately visible. So that's, that's not a bad thing, Derek. And uh, you know, whether it's playing for the Windy City Bulls this year or whatever, I, th- I think that's a, that's a very big positive for Illinois basketball. Big time. And, and I, we all want to see Iowa go higher in that draft. And I want to see him go to the Nuggets or whether it be the, the Nets, maybe he would have opportunity now with the Kyrie deal, but uh, that's a subject for another podcast. Um, but yeah, just right there, visible, like you said, uh, and, and to see him make those clutch shots against the Cavs. And that's a trendy thing on Twitter going out this week and good timing. And obviously something that hopefully if he is on that roster and able to make uh, some kind of a, a role out of, you know, his opportunity this year, or, or even like you said, if it is G league, but him to be right there in his hometown and uh, to show those that are, that look up and to look up to him and respect him. Like I was a big name in the Chicago hoop scene and for him to still be right there and to have a very positive uh, experience at Illinois is, is a big deal. Derek, I'm looking at our, our targets list. I know you just updated for 2023, JJ Taylor, Kylan Boswell from Champaign who's visiting you reported this week. Uh, Matas Buselis, who's now the number four player in 24-7 sports, shot up from, uh, what was it, 39 spots. Uh, and then Jeremy Fears, a Juliet native, now plays at La Lumiere Prep, which isn't that far uh, either. That, I mean, that if you get one of those, I mean, there's a chance to, like this 2023 class. We want to wrap up 2022, continue to add talent, transfer market. We know they'll be involved in possibly for a point guard if Curbelo leaves. But, but 2023, they seem to be at least setting themselves up, Derek, to where they have a chance for that to be a great class, not just a, a continued top 25 class, but potentially a great class. Yeah, the, with guys on that very, very high end in terms of five stars, and to see that Mattis is number four, who was at Hensdale Central, now at Brewster Academy on the East Coast, he's at number four, JJ's at number six, and Kylan's at number 14, I think. Uh, in terms of 24-7's updated rankings of three five-star guys that are in the top 15, all from your state, and then Jeremy Fears from Joliet is the top 30 
recruit as well. Like that's a lot of opportunity. And, and I think that when you pair that with where Illinois is at as a program and a chance to have another really big season, and now it's going to be important for those that are still in state, like for JJ in particular out of that group, uh, to be able to visit during the season and see the environment at State Farm Center. Cause we had big time matchups, whether it be Iowa coming to town, uh, but this year to really blow it out and, and to see that packed house for a maybe a top five matchup, top 10 matchup in the country, uh, that's a big deal. But uh, yeah, Kylan Boswell, Champagne, sh- shout out to Champagne. Uh, he's coming back and this is a really big deal. A guy that played for the USA basketball uh, U16 team along with Fears uh, this summer and won a gold medal down in Mexico and uh, won a Peach Jam 16U title. He's just blown up. He left the state after middle school. He went out to California for two years, now at Arizona Compass Prep, but uh, still a lot of family in the area uh, in Champaign, and uh, they're getting a chance to try to sell him. And I've got an interesting connection. His mom lived down the street from me, man. (laughs) It's crazy. I was really close with her uncles and everything, so happy to see for that family, him come up. And dad played football on a Rose Bowl team in Illinois, and there's some – there's some cells, some ties to, yeah. to the area that are still encouraging for someone that's that dang good in the class. Derek, I'm starting to feel, because I remember growing up, I'm, I lived in Will County growing up, and I get my Joliet Herald News every day, and Jeremy Fears is a star at Joliet. And uh, so to see his son sons now turn into uh, high major prospects, it's like, man, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're Illinois guys through and through. And, and uh, the dad, Jeremy Fears, went to Ohio. Um and you know, had some interest from from some big schools, but I, I can't imagine like he's from Illinois. He grew up in the Frank Williams era and, and D and Darren and all that. So he's probably got some good vibes about Illinois. I know you've talked to him as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's some ins here. And I want to wrap up with this, Derek. You've covered Illinois basketball recruiting through the days of hope, right? Like of Cliff Alexander and Jalen Brunson being the guys who might turn this around. And obviously those guys didn't come here and it, it didn't work well then. Now you're getting Io, you're getting Kofi, you're getting Andre Curbelo. You're starting to get top 25 recruiting classes on and on here. And now you have this chance for five-star prospects again. And in 2024, they're in early on all these St. Rita kids, which we got to go to some St. Rita games apparently because they're loaded. Like you talk to people around recruiting you talk to people around this program, like how does this feel different now? Like covering recruiting, what people are saying, is it different than the the Brunson Alexander era? Yeah, it's a lot different. And I, I talked to Jeremy Fears senior a couple of weeks ago, like right before they were visiting. And I, I posed the question, like, how has it changed? You've been in the state, you've seen this program, you know, five, 10 years ago. So five years ago, we wouldn't even have thought about coming to Illinois. And there were those type of players. There were the Jaleel Okafors. Not that Fears is the number one player in the country, but there were Jabari Parkers, Jaleel Okafors. Even you go back to Derrick Rose, like given he gave Illinois a legit look or not, there was the questions for some of those type of players. Like, are we even going to you know, spend our time looking at Illinois? That's different now because of what Illinois has done. And then I, I was reading back because I was trying to think, When's the last time Illinois had this type of, you know, within two weekends, this big of recruits coming to town, like J.J. Taylor being number six and then Boswell number 14. I was trying to dig that up and and see, but uh, throughout Brad's tenure, like he had Drew Timmy and E.J. Liddell within like a couple of weeks span. Of course, Kofi was within a couple of months of that as well. I feel like the biggest I remember, and, and it's easier to say now because you look at how good the guys were, was the back-to-back weeks of Brunson and Juwan Evans, I believe, yeah. right? Like, you know those two kids were like exactly what they needed. Um, so I, I go back to that one. Like, I remember Julia Oakford and Jabari Parker being down here for the same camp, I believe, right? Like, um, that was that was nuts. They used to have a camp on campus with Bruce Weber and all those, and Jaleel's a freshman, and Jabari's a superstar, and Brandon Paul and all those guys, DJ Richardson, were here playing. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go back to, and, and as you said, those guys are ranked higher. Taylor and, and, yeah. and Boswell are, are ranked even higher than those guys. They are. Yeah. Uh, and I think back, to, I was pulling up a, a visit primer from Drew Timmy and saying in there that like Drew really tight with Brad, loves the program and everything. But his questions are, well, they won 14 games last year. 
And is there going to be enough players around me to to elevate that when I arrive? And of course, he chose Gonzaga, good choice by him. Not that he couldn't have done some things at Illinois, but now it's like Illinois was just a one seed last year, and there's a lot of really good talent here already. More coming in and, and classes to to come. So. Uh, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit, for sure. Uh, but now we can have relative hashtag Illini problems, Derek. Somebody on the board today asked, "Why doesn't Illinois have somebody ready to take over for Curbelo?" It's like you got two four stars coming in, and you can go to the transfer market with all this sell of NBA guards. If that's the case, that's a, that's a good spot to be as a program. It certainly is. It certainly <laughs> is. Yeah, and Jay Nepp's ready to come in, like you said, and. Uh, I think that Illinois, if they do get put in the situation of having to to get a point guard if Corbello were to leave, I think they'd either go uh, a guy that's going to be a one-year type of, of deal because of the guys we're talking about in Fears and Boswell. They want the flexibility. They don't want to overcrowd that backcourt because of what they have in 23, working at least opportunity-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, let's figure that out in the offseason. And if, he, if Corbello is as good as – we think it can be, and if he is good enough to to leave and go be an NBA draft pick, someone's going to want to be the next Curbelo. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Derek. Nine days from an exhibition game at State Farm Center. About twenty five days until we get an actual game against Jackson State on November 9th. Uh, it is coming here shortly, and of course, early signing day uh, is is very close as well. So we got some work to do, man. That's exciting. We do. Let's get after it. All right. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it, man. Anytime, man. Great stuff as always from Derek Piper, and we are going to be loaded with Illinois basketball content. We have been. Derek uh, has an update, has had updates throughout the week on the latest visitors for Illinois, including Day Day Ames and five-star prospect J.J. Taylor. Uh, Joey has a piece today on Andre Curbelo as well, and we got more uh, coming up on Illinois basketball. Joey did a piece on the freshmen. Derek's got the latest in the rankings. Uh, it's Kyle and Boswell. Uh, so we're pretty loaded there on the site for all your Illini basketball. And we will continue that as we get closer and closer uh, to exhibition games and then tip off of the season as well as early signing day. So always remember, it's just $1 to sign up for a VIP membership for your first month. And uh, just give us a try. If you don't like it after a month, you can cancel and you only gave a dollar, so I would give us a try. I think you're going to like the content that you get. And we keep plugging away at football. I know the results aren't what Illini fans want, but uh, that doesn't dissuade our coverage. Uh, we continue to cover the heck out of it. And uh, I put up a trending meter this week on uh, the latest with their 2022 prospects, and the staff has hit the road, uh, and they seem to be showing more interest in 2022 prospects. And look out for that JUCO market. Illinois could get very involved there. And, of course, I think it's going to be a very, very busy offseason in the transfer portal, especially with quarterbacks. So we'll talk about that and cover that as we go along there. As always, thanks for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us. That always helps us out as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.